Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I survived the hurricane. Did you? Oh my god. The the hurra what? Everybody's calling it the hurra quake. I'm like the hurra what? (laughs) They had me scared, you know, because I didn't think the pandemic was going to be something. You know, I honestly was like, at the last minute one day when they were talking about the pandemic, I was like, is this this shit's real? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the market then and like buy some stuff. And it was empty. It was like, you know, you know, everybody knows what the market was like during that pandemic. And I was like, so I did it again this time. I said, get ahead of it, go buy some stuff. And the market was the same way. It took me 35 minutes to check out in the checkout lane. So I have all this food I have no idea what to do with, but, um, I'm happy. I'm happy. It wasn't a big deal. Some of my neighbors were like, shucks, you know, and darn it. And I was like, well, what did you want? Like you wanted our roofs? (laughs) <laughs> to fly yeah. off like i don't know i don't know what everybody wanted and expected but i'm sure happy it didn't happen no i had neighbors who prepared like- for weeks and weeks not i'll be honest with you i have asked it nicole i went through one case of water and i bought like eight pop tarts to say i'll walk to my neighbor's house if things are really bad i know everyone else is prepared around here well you know it in our house it actually turned into an earthquake preparedness because we uh you know we're in this place new and um we didn't have a plan. And so I, I think I told you this over text. I heard my shower doors rattling, like the glass was hitting each other. And I was like, what the hell is that? So I go running towards glass. Like, and I was like, and Keegan comes running in my room. She's like, uh, my bed is, is moving. And I was like, okay, this is an earthquake. And it was over. And then we came up with a whole like plan. Where do we stand? I was like looking around and then I, you know, I had to like walk around and see what's our plan if the earthquake happens, because apparently it's uh, more alarming than a hurricane. But I mean, I think we needed the water I, and I, I don't say that for the poor people who are experiencing flooding uh, by any means, but the rest of us needed water. So um it is what it is. And Keegan yep. had fun. She was out there playing in it. It was like 80 degrees. And you aren't kidding. The weather things. was great. Yeah. It was great. I did the same thing. I walked out there with my dog and just, just loved it. The weather was perfect yeah. to stand out in the rain. Yeah. It was yeah. beautiful. It was a beautiful <laughs> so, so, So did you go out? Did you get a product for the week? Did you get I something got, to talk you about? You know what? I did. Okay. So, um, so my kid, you know, she likes all the high-end shit. Um, and so she she uh, talks me into buying her this Christian Dior lip oil that everybody has, everybody wants. Okay. I buy it for her. Um, and this is before school started. And she loses it. Okay. And she's in tears. I mean, crying. And I, I'm like, I don't know which, like, I don't even know how to deal with this. Okay. I'm sitting in there like, I'm not good with tears. First of all, second, this is over lip gloss. Um, is it that you're mad at yourself that you didn't know where it was? Da, 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 da. So she's so upset and um, and it turns out she's just mad that she was irresponsible with it. So that made me feel bad. So I buy her another one. Now you're talking they're $45 a pop. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So I buy her another one. And then she comes in my room. She's like, guess what I found? <laughs> At least she found it. Yeah. Let me tell you, I give, me, I give you credit, Nicole, for, for like if that was me back in the day losing something that cost $45, my dad would have laid into me. It, it would have made me feel so worse than I already felt. So I give you credit as a parent knowing that she felt bad and you didn't make her feel worse. No, because listen, self-guilt is um, is enough. And um, 
you know, I hate that. I hate that feeling. It was funny because neighbor just came over to me. She was um, upset about something and she laid into me about something. And I was like, whoa, nice to meet you. And I like drove off in the middle of her rant. And she came over and to apologize, which was so sweet. But she was holding this like guilt. And I said to her, you got to release that. Like, I'm not thinking about it. You're, don't be weird around me. Don't feel bad about me. Like I'm going about my day. Don't don't do that to yourself because I think that um, people really do that to themselves. And it makes you sick. It's not. Um, I, I'm not into that. I, I'm into self forgiveness. Good for you. Easier easier said than done, right? But yeah. for everybody else, <laughs> for everybody else, please forgive yourself. So I went online and was like, "There's got to be something equivalent to this goddamn Christian Dior forty five dollar lip gloss." <laughs> And there is, um, there definitely is, um, but I'm sitting here and I'm holding the original. I'm, I'm actually holding the Christian Dior. Let me go grab, let me okay. go grab the dupe. It seems to be that, um, Keegan has also taken the dupe. <laughs> I kid you not. This is the story of my life. I go in the drawer to get something and it's gone, but I did get this, um, which is, uh, from CVS. And it is, uh, it's super good. I like it a lot. And it's super cheap. It's made from CoverGirl. It's called Clean Fresh Yummy Lip Gloss. And it is equivalent to the Christian Dior. It also, ladies, it has the new big um, applicator, which everybody, we all love it. Um, it goes on really well. And it's cheap, super cheap. And I even had like a discount Um because if you're a CVS shopper, you know you get those. Um, <laughs> right before you go in, you have to search in the app for your uh, for your discounts. But CoverGirl, good job, good job. And for me, you know that this, this is the new. Like this is what everybody wants. This style and the one I did buy on Amazon. I'll bring it next week. Is just like this. So I know that this is what everybody wants. The packaging is so important. But this is like brings me back to like my childhood. So. <laughs> You know, lip smackers good. and all of the uh, the good lip gloss was always looked like this. So I'm getting used to the new the new packaging. But um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's great. I love it. Works just as well. I don't know what the hell the price difference is about. <laughs> it's the name. It's the it's name. It's the name. It's the name. But sometimes the products are worth it. But sometimes they're just not. But there you have it. Um, so, anyways, today let's let's stop talking about. Speaking of childhood. Yeah. Speaking of childhood. Oh my God. And what you know what's so funny is when our friend Tommy said that he was marrying Pinky, right? It was Pinky Tuscadero. I lost my mind. And when he said he was kidding, I, yeah. I wanna I was like <laughs> my day was really, I was so mad. I was like, that was that was so that was so it for me. Um so let's introduce Anson Williams. <laughs> Mary Pinky Tuscadero? Yeah, Are you Tuscadero. Who are you talking about? <laughs> you know who this person was? You know why she was off the show after a couple of episodes? Do you know why she was in the penitentiary, the pen, for a oh, few she years? What? Shot up yes, a neighbor's house? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, she went to the pen, man. She got up. She shot, she went nutso. Started shooting up the cars on the street. She didn't hurt anybody, thank God. But she was ex out of there. The pen. It, mm -hmm. Any idea what set her off? 
Uh, not at all. Maybe just character. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something. You were mentioning about the products and all that, because you know, I've, uh-huh. I was in the product business about twenty years. We were on QVC for ten years, so we created probably forty products, a lot of beauty products, and I'll just just. It's all marketing. And by the way, what you're holding and what you've, it's the same product. Let me just give you an example. You know, creme, creme Le Mer, that $175 little yeah. you know what the product cost is on that? A dollar. Oh my gosh. A dollar. And all they do that they'll dust it with some, they'll dust it with some cockamamie new, whatever, from whatever plant that does nothing. Everyone's looking for the miracle pill. It's all the same. Really get a washcloth. It's kind of rough. Exfoliate. <laughs> this is trust me. You'll get the same results. Go into clinicals. It's probably better. But yeah. So anyway, you're right. Please tell people about uh, products because a lot of times these, even these expensive product companies, they have a low level line and a different name you don't even know about. Yeah. So bucks at CVS. I know. I I, I just learned exact, about that. It's the same exact product. Exact. Look at the ingredients. It's just, it's just, you know, normal packaging and not, not all the fuss and muss. But yeah, you're doing a good thing. Let, let people know. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's the only way, like, it's so crazy how much money they'll take from you. I could go into Sephora and spend, you know, a month's worth of payments for everything. And it's like, there's got to be a better way. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm- what you need to do is you got to look, okay, look at the ingredients list. And and the amount of it, the the top, the top, right, one, the most amount is the first, second, third, fourth, and it keeps going down. And a lot of times right. you'll you'll say, and the new blah 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 from the blah blah Australian tree underneath next to the beetle bug, we found it's a youth cure. It'll be like they'll be at the end. They'll be it'll yeah. be like a little dust, right? And uh, yeah. So anyway, I always do that with food. I've always been an advocate of that food. And I only recently started doing it with products because I brought a product on my daughter does it. She's super concerned about she she'll say to me, oh, but that product contains little little." and I'm like, oh, my God, what is she talking about? And um, I did it recently because I had to go buy a sunburn cream or gel or something to relieve her and I, I knew we were going to be in a lot of pain. And, um, I went in there and I, so I did, and I, I've, you know, I'm blind as a bat. So I've got my phone out with the magnifier on it. And like alcohol was the first ingredient on most of them. And then it went down and like aloe vera was like at the bottom. I've like, I've got an aloe vera plant. <laughs> like, why am I buying this? And I did find one, um, that was newer that I'd never seen before and it had other things in it. And so I ended up buying that and it worked quite nicely, but you're right. People have to realize the first, the first listing is the biggest ingredient and then it makes its way down, which, um, yes. so you don't have to read very far. You don't even have to read the whole thing. You just have to read. You have to be careful with sunscreen too. There's a couple of toxic, uh, ingredients in there. You want to stay away yeah. from it's a great, it's a little expensive, but it really is a great product and it's organic. It's called Boo, B U, Boo. Uh, okay. And it's an only sunscreen, very clinically proven, really, really good for you. Oh. So, where, just where so do you, you know, get that? You know? Do you know where you can get it online? Online? Yeah. Yeah. I'm writing it down it's right really now. <laughs> Boo, like Malibu. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's where he's, that's where he lives. That's it. Oh, is it? But, yeah, I was like, because I used to live out there. We call it the Boo. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay. The, uh, love that. It's very big in Canada. The product, anyway. Just so you know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. 
Um, so wait, any more uh, plans to run for mayor again, or is this something you're? Um, that's this, this running. It's like I I couldn't make up these stories. Like what a, what a mini series for Netflix, man. These characters in this community. Oh my god. It's like I thought I was running against Trump, and we're all Democrats, you know. It was. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. You know something? Um, the best thing that happened was losing because I gained, I gained such an education going through it. And I really learned how cities run. I learned so many things going through it and met so many great people. And we lost by one one sixteenth percent, like wow. 38 votes. Yeah, it was something like 45 votes or something, right? It was like very low. Yeah, you, it was a very tight race. Four, yeah, four were illegal. Yeah, so anyway, but um, so I don't... It, it's a very, it's a very um, unstable council. Two are great, three are part. It's, 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 it's like Washington in, in a very small. It's a subject group for Washington right here. How they, how they're running things politically. And, you know, nonprofits that are becoming political. All these rich families doing this, doing that. It's like a soap opera. You can't create these characters. And three of the council members are um, part of that group, and, they, and they're getting the majority. So they're getting some really, it's just poorly run. It's they're, 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 they're making just a mess, major lawsuits now, everything else. So um, I'd only run if you really, if you feel you can really do something and you can't do something unless you have the right counsel. You can't do something unless you get rid of, of, of these, of the cabal behind it. Then, you know, maybe because if running for mayor, it's military service. I mean, it doesn't pay anything, but you have to be here. You can't go taking gigs. You can't, you know, you get offers. You can't go out of the country. You have to be there for meetings and council meetings. So it's a commitment. And it, it, and for myself, you know, if I, if I don't feel I can really make it worthwhile and really do the job for the community, then I'm not going to bother with it. I get it. How long have you been there? You've obviously lived there a long time. Um, I've, well, I've had a house here for 13 years. I've been here full time about five years. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not that long. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right on the nose with that. So the, the best thing is not, not getting the job, <laughs> getting all the lesson from it and meeting all the people, but not having to do the job. Yeah, that sounds well, sounds just good, I, and literally, literally, what's kind of interesting. And, and I'm not being egotistical at all, but it's so funny. This mayor would never debate, would not debate, would absolutely refuse because she's unqualified and everyone else writes things for her. And it's, it's, it's an unusual situation when a mayor doesn't run. <laughs> someone else is really doing the job and you're the, it's like, you're the puppet, but uh, would not debate, would not debate. Um, and, um, and, and I met so many people that now today, because of what's happening now, by electing this group, the city's in an uproar. And we'd probably win by a thousand votes tomorrow. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter unless you can do something, unless you have you know, a collaboration. And, uh, and um, we don't right now. So, you know, but the thing that's great is I would love to find somebody 
that really could do a great job and a couple of new council people and okay. use, what I've get, use what I've gained to get them elected. You know, like they yeah. say, own a politician, don't be a politician. Yeah. I'm yeah. Kidding. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm hoping this for the country, not just for OI, but for the country. Can we find somebody qualified? Yeah. What's going on here, what's going on here in OI echoes Washington. I, it's exact. In fact, if you look back, uh, a paper, of, um, uh, one of the entertainment uh, online papers, The Wrap, you know, The Wrap, they yeah. did a whole investigation story on it as it was running. And they, they, they did a very detailed investigation of what's going on in this community. And you should look it up. Okay. You should look up the rap and just look. I'm, I'm sure there's a way to just put my name in or something. But, but they did an in-depth story on what's going on. A little shady Ojai. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's oh. about a lot of cities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The tax, right? We're supposed, to be, we're supposed to represent the best community. We really are, and 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 and, uh, and it used to be that, but um, what's going to happen here is interesting. Now you lived in Malibu, right? And there were there were a lot of the same problems in Malibu with with in terms of council, the political system there, and they made all these terrible decisions, and prices went down, and it started really affecting the community. All of a sudden, we start losing our middle class. Uh, we have ha like one less than half the students in, in Malibu High than we had 10 years ago. Guys like Larry Ellison come in when they're vulnerable and buy everything up and do everything that you never want, wanted to happen. But you're vulnerable and they have the power to do it. So you bring in the Nobu, you bring, you bring in, and, you, yeah. and, which, and all that echoes to a change in community. And it becomes richer, and the middle class goes away, and affordable housing doesn't happen, and the schools, everybody's getting affected by it. Well, that's happened. The same thing's happening here. They're being not being futurists, and not seeing the cause and effect of their actions. These billionaires, they, they, oh hi, are you kidding? They're just whoop, 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 This is a cute resort. Let's just uh, wait, and then let's just go, let's just get in there, and then just blow it up. Yeah. And that's my prediction. So. I think it's kind of happening everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. And where, 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 what area are you in? What area are you in? I'm um, like right at Toluca Lake Burbank border area. Oh, that's right. That's where I grew up. Burbank High. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. You went to Burbank High, right? And I was just invited to attend the 115th year anniversary of Burbank High. Oh. You should wow. You should go. It's a... September, September, September 1st. No, September Anthem, I'm, scared, 1st. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of that, um, that school. It's scary. A lot of scary things happen on that campus. It's a rough, it's a rough school these days. There You're was kidding. just recently some shootings. No, all the kids this year now in Burbank have to um, wear a lanyard with their ID and they have to scan before they go in because some some crazy stuff, some bathroom incidents, wow. some shooting incidents. Um yeah. You're kidding. It's like uh, no. I don't know. There's like um and I'm really funny though because I'm like it's that side of Burbank. You know, once you cross the bridge, it's two different cities. So when it comes to like going to movies and walking and entertainment and restaurants, I like to go over the bridge. The rest of the time, I just stay right here. And, you know, Burbank is really one of the most, 
you know, safe cities left around here, yeah. at least in LA County. But it's still now it's like, it's oh, it's that side, <laughs> that side. So really? um, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting deal. I don't know. I don't know how I feel yes. about the high schools. Gosh, I, it's a change. I, I know growing up, we had no money. We're, we were lower middle class, you know, but you didn't need it. There were so many good programs in the community at the time. It was decades and decades ago. But uh, it was just a wonderful city to, to live in you, with your own police, your own fire, your own school, it you was, know, school district. Yeah, I don't mean to bash it because I do love that. I, I do feel safe here. I feel like um, it's clean. It's pretty. All of that. But you have like what you were talking about where the middle class is gone. So, right, you have really wealthy people and then you have um, people who are struggling a little bit more. And um, it doesn't mix well, especially in the schools. Um, there's True. a lot of fights. There's a lot of fighting. You know, there's just stuff, weird stuff. Kids, kids act out because of what's yeah. going on at home, coming out of yeah. the pandemic. It's like, you know, all this aggression is yeah. pent up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the schools are kind of scary right now. I'm not interested <laughs> in going. You know, you know it's so funny Ron Howard went to Burroughs. Yes. And I went <laughs> to Burbank. It's like... It's so funny. And, and, right? then Gary, it's and then Gary Marshall had his theater there. You know, it so, was the Falcon. Yeah. And I and you know, and Scotty Scott, his son's part of it now, who I mentored as a director uh years ago. Years ago, he, he shadowed me on different shows, and uh we're still very close. But yeah, but so Toluca Lake, in, in Burbank Toluca Lake's part of me. And it's it's you know, and Bob's big boy every you know, yeah. every <laughs> every Friday after the game, every Friday they after know, the game. Oh, yeah. They do car shows there now every Friday. So there's like the classic yeah. car. Yeah. The yeah. parking lot's super fun. Yeah. We go walk by there. It's yeah. Yeah. Burbank is special. It's a special place. Um, by all means, it definitely is. It's just that there's some, you know, violence happening and it's just scary. And you have, I, I, you know. No, I, the old conservatives here too. So it's like, you know, it's still very conservative. So then you have like the Trump people. So it was like, we're in Burbank, you know, you're right next to Disney studios, but there's people with like big Trump banners and trucks driving around screaming Trump. And you're like, where am I? Is this part of a show? Like, where am I? I don't, it's just, um, it's strange. I remember for years I sold shoes on San Fernando road, but back when it's called the golden mall, laughing and jokes about it. John, you know, where it was like, it, it, it was literally paved in, you know, so you can know cars. Yes. And I worked at, I worked at Maury Shoes, Al's Bootery, um, the outlets, his outlet store and Burkow's. He owned all four. And I switched. Yeah. Selling shoes. Started at Penny's, which is no longer there, I don't think. Yeah. No, they just, yeah. yeah. And, and, I know, and, I thought, and I now, recently... oh, oh, now I go down there and it's unbelievable like 800 restaurants and i think the movie theaters are there i think they're the highest grossing in the country um just you know i wish i was selling shoes now it's like so you got a lot going on <laughs> yes. i know i was recently looking at pictures of when it was the golden mall and i was like they should make yes. it that again because during the pandemic, they kind of did. They closed down the streets, right? And they let everybody walk down the middle of the street. Yeah. No more cars and all the tables and chairs. It was all al dente. Yeah. It was really, really nice. And they've kept yeah. some of it. But then, you know, there's there's cars. Cars ruin everything. But um, It's so funny because yeah. selling, shoes, selling shoes one day, I'm looking out. And there's the laughing cast. 
Joanne Worley, Judy Karn, and a couple, and they're filming, and I'm like, what the heck? And they, of course, they, they had a break, so they come in the shoe store. You know, I, I was speechless. Oh, I'm, I'm like speechless, you know? And then years later, you know, now you're happy to see, you meet Joanne Worley again. And like, it was just so interesting and to, to, to recap that, you know? Did she buy but, anything? Uh, Did she buy any shoes that day? She didn't buy anything. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a good salesman. Honestly, you said, you know, a lot of times selling shoes tells you a lot, really, really gives you the insight to the character of somebody. Sell shoes, you'll know whether to vote for them or not. You know, if, if they no, we'll come in here and they, some, some, and it was a really hard job because in these particular stores, you sold everything. They come in for the little baby to the husband, to the kid, to the wife. So you're working your buns off. But sometimes ladies would come in just, just to be, just to be catered to. And you sit there and you're bringing out 10 pairs of shoes, you know, oh, oh, I'll think about it. I'll go, no, you're not. You're going to buy one of these. <laughs> you're going to think about what color you want right here, or you're putting it back. <laughs> what is the storage room? I, I, I'm, I'm interested what the storage room looks like in a place like that because I would imagine oh. it's bigger than the storefront, is it? Oh, the storage room. Here's the thing in the store storage room. First of all, you've never had a job in retail like selling shoes. I mean, you're right this with people, you're right here with people's feet, you know. In, in, in many different ways, pre people bring their feet in. Sometimes wash, sometimes not. Anyway, and they start, so we had in the back, it was called the cuss wall, and it was padded. So you could go, <laughs> the fuck Hi, here we have the blue number three. Then, here's the other thing that killed me. Here's the other thing that killed me. It, it, they go in, and they go, they, I go, it's perfect. Oh, it's too tight. I said, it's perfect. You need to stretch it. I said, you don't need to stretch it. It's, it's, it's not going to work. I need it stretched. I need it stretched. I'm not playing. I go, okay. I go, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Go back in there. Fuck you, but the bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and I stood there for like, I counted to like about 60 seconds, 90 seconds. I come back out. She goes, oh, that's much better. Didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. <laughs> Welcome to the shoe world, man. It's and that's back when you used to have to like lace them up and put them on people's oh, feet for them, oh. right? You put them on and take them off. I remember those put, days. And, and, and then they, and you have to give them a little ped. And she goes, you put it on. I go, I ain't putting that on, that foot. I ain't putting that on. <laughs> put it on, the peds. But the one thing that was really bad, they used the same, the, the oh, store used the same ped on like 50 people. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, I need tweezers to give it to them. <laughs> Boy, you're bringing back memories. You know, oh it's gosh. so funny because today they just kind of throw the box at you um, and they're like, you know, try it on. And I think my kid would freak out if somebody tried to put the shoe on her foot. Like she would be like, don't look at my feet. You know, don't touch my feet. Um, so it's it's funny how the world has changed like that. Yeah, I remember you'd sit down and somebody would, my mom would always say, "Make." we were those people. We had clean socks on. We had clean feet. Right? And my mom would say, put clean socks on. We're going to try on shoes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. We had the shoehorn. No, that, I'd be there. They'd bring in like a six-month-old baby. They, they would literally try putting those on. 
you know. Yeah. The husband was just, he'd take anything just to get out of there. It's just like, fine. We don't have brown, we have black. Black's fine. Good, right. Now you don't have to buy it, it's fine. Fine, can we go? Can we get out of here? Yeah. Oh my God. I love that so much. I am not, I'm not exaggerating either. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, and then, and then there was a thing called PMs. And it meant you get more, you get, you get a 50 cents more or something for that shoe. And, and oh. usually, and usually it's because uh, they got to get rid of them. It's, it's an old style. So you really get good at lying. You know, you come, you, you come, you come back and you go, I've got something for you. I have got <laughs> something. It's coming back. This, it's, I don't. <laughs> oh, I used to love those. They're back. Oh. And a limited, a limited edition. That's it. That's it. So I got it's my 50 cents. Now. Yeah. And then, then they had add-ons where, it, it, you know, if you need a little bow, on the, a clip-on bow, a clip-on flower. Isn't that much? Well, oh, that all is back. Oh, no. Now it's like, I was like, no, but now it's like you have two pairs of shoes. See? You put it on, and it's a whole different shoe. So you're getting two for one for this one little edition. <laughs> you know, also think it. about it. Back in the day, Nicole, not only does he have to put them on their feet, but they're everyone's smoking cigarettes back in the day. Yep. People are blowing smoke in your face the whole time. There's there's ashtrays on the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's great. Oh it was a great environment. I got to tell you, if anything will give you ambition in life, it's selling shoes. To get the hell out of there. Like, <laughs> if you need any motivation oh to move your butt to get anything done, you go sell shoes for a week. You'll be flying with, 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 with success. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, so hey, Anson. How did that? So you grew up in Burbank and then you obviously started working there. What did you get the audition uh, for Happy Days? And like, explain, like, give us some backstory on that. Like, because I know both you and Ron, yeah, you're from Burbank, it's like notorious. Everybody knows it. Everybody talks about it. They Burbank brags about it. Um, so, and where did you guys, you guys shot a Paramount though, didn't you? Uh huh. Did you? Yeah, we shot a Paramount. Okay. Well, I, I just being, I mean, you know, like most of us, I, I was just a number in the world. Lower middle class family, 1,200 square foot house, three bedrooms, one bathroom. And my sister still lives there on Jolly Drive next to Thomas Jefferson Elementary School. I love so that. Still has the house. Yeah, still has a little house. But, every, but back then, everybody had a house. The meat cutter had a house. It wasn't like today. It was a much different world where you, you didn't, getting a house is no big deal. And in fact, if you had a friend living in an apartment, it was rare. Everyone had a house. It was cheap. GI bills and uh, gas was what, 24 cents a gallon? <laughs> yeah, it was like the and, American uh, right to have a house, right? Like that was like everybody's given right. Everybody had land in a house. Yeah. Right. And they didn't even manage, they didn't even manage departments. They just worked in departments and could afford a house. You know, so anyway. But I didn't know show business. I could have been in Iowa, Oklahoma. I, I didn't know anybody, anything. So at 18, um, uh, I left the house, left home, and tried to go to school at the same time, selling shoes at the same time. And I decided show business is in my blood, even though I hadn't done anything. So I said, but I, I have this feeling. So back then, you could get a few friends and actually rent an apartment. Because that wasn't very expensive. You literally could make it work. I mean, incredible. And, and eat. 
So um, I started going, I, I did take singing lessons. So I started going to talent nights around the community. There was Ye Little Club, Jack Halley's by CVS. There was Knickerbocker Hotel um, and a couple of others. And you go with your sheet music and you, uh, and you sing badly, but you learn a lot. So I sang badly for quite a while. You know, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's, oh yeah, I thought it was so good. Everyone's, you know, everyone's looking. So one of the waiters one night said that he's having an audition for Summerstock. I go, what's that? What's Summerstock? Well, that's where they audition people in New York, LA, Chicago for, for, a, for a, a Summerstock company where you'll go someplace and you'll do uh, a different show every seven days and a different star comes in for each show, but you're the permanent company. I said, oh, that sounds, that sounds okay. So he, he said it's at the Hollywood, it was at the, um, oh gosh, the Masonic, the Masonic Temple on, on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, and, and this big, old, intimidating building. Equity, which is the union for stage performers, uh, they have a rule where there's a non-equity line. So the producers have to look at everybody. After the equity line goes through, they have to look at anyone standing in the non-equity line. Any. So, so I, I stand in line with my sheet music name, and I'm standing there, and, 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 and I see all these disappointed faces coming out from the equity line. You know, really like, ah, ah, ah. So finally it becomes a non-equity line, which is very long. Now, as, and I'm getting closer to the door to get in, it's like four bars and out, you know? My boy, Bill, next. And up next. And all these people are coming out just so disappointed. I mean, they're just running them through. I get inside the building, and it was like St. Peter's Cathedral, 800 feet high and echoing. Voices echoing out. My boy. And I'm like, whoa. And out. I'm, and I'm thinking, what am I even doing here? What am I even doing here? Just answer, just go. Nope. Okay, so finally it's my turn. And, it's, and you know what being in show business, the scariest audition, the scariest audition I ever had ever in my life, ever, nothing compared to this. You walk into this ancient room that's forever. And there's this old funky piano and a, and a pianist with a cigarette who's tired as well. Give me your sheet music. Is this the key? Yeah, all right. And four bored people behind this old funky table, just like this, like, oh, just get out of here. And they, go, they don't even ask my name. They go, all right, go, go. So I'm going, you coach the blues right out of the horn. And I forget the words. I forget the words. And I start making up words. I just start making up words. I don't know. What, and they're hysterical. They're hysterical. I got through the whole song. And they're hysterical. They're crying with, with laughter. And they... And they said, what's your name? Anson Williams. <laughs> Anson, do you dance? Oh, yeah. I don't dance. I am the worst <laughs> dancer. God did not, that, like, no ability. Zippo zero. Well, we're having a callback. And I go, uh, what's a callback? And they're laughing again, <laughs> thinking I'm joking. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Listen, he said, he said, we're auditioning in, in New York, Chicago, and L.A. They, they gave me a little background on what they're doing. 
I've had some people stay to get to see how they dance. And, and, the, and Jimmy here, and one of the guys stands up, is a choreographer. You're going to go with him and the rest, and they'll teach you a routine. You'll come back in, and we'll see how you do. Great, fine. We go in this room, nothing but mirrors, right? And he, they start this routine. It's like a Bob Foster routine. Eight, five, eight, five, 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 twist. Up, down, loop, down, boom, boom, twist. Up, down, loop, but I'm sitting there going, no fucking way. There is no fucking way. I'm going, what the so if I, I hope I can cuss. Anyway, um, anyway, so I, I just kind of hiding back, just going, okay, I'm out of here. And then for some reason, you know, when you're desperate, I said, what the heck? So they brought in, they brought in a few at a time, you know, to, then it's my turn. I'm in there. I was in the front row. If everyone went right, I went left. If they went up, I went down. I made it a comedy act. I just was, and they're hysterical again. They're hysterical. They're laughing hysterically. And they stop. And then, and, and then he says, okay, uh, two people. You, we, Baba, stay. We're gonna, you're going to have a contract. Baba, stay. You're going to have a contract. There's some other. Wait outside. And back right then, they signed a contract right there. You wow. know, no age, anything. So, so, okay, I start to leave. They go, Anson, yeah? Can, can you wait outside? Now I'm thinking, I did so bad. They're coming out to say, kid, we're doing you a favor. Get out of show business. So I'm, I'm waiting like this. All these other people going in, signing the contracts, coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm the only one left in the entire joint. And they go, Anson, come on in. So I sit there. And he goes, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. Here's what we're doing. Listen, you sing okay. Quote, you can't dance for shit. But you got something. I said, I do? He said, listen, we have an apprentice program. And there's another apprentice. There's another one we're going we're gonna to set you up with. And we'll pay for your gas to get to Kansas City, uh, Wichita, Kansas. We'll pay for your gas. We're not giving you an air flight. You're going to get there. We're going to give you $50 a week. 25 goes to the hotel, and we own you. You will build setups. We will own you. You will, you will be sick of us, sick of us. And you'll be in the shows where, where, where we need to fit you in. And, and I, my first words were, you're going to pay me? <laughs> and that was it. So I went back there, and they said, if you do well, if you get through it, we'll sign an equity contract at the end, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be an equity member. So I did it. I went back there and I got my and I got my equity card at the end, and that was wow. that was the that was the first paying job. Then I could then I could line up in the equity lines. One thing like it's a long. I don't want to be on for three hours, but it's a long story. But that's that's exactly how it happened. You know. I love so, that they so saw talent. People, well, I tell people if you have a strong feeling, I really don't listen to anybody but yourself. Don't listen to anybody. Don't just go with it. Don't don't question it. It's leading you somewhere, it, and, it, and you feel it. It leads yeah. you somewhere. You were not. We're not. It's no. There's no accidents. It's like, you know. We have places to be. We have to connect with ourselves to find out where that where to go. So, but that was yeah. So anyway, that was that. And then as far as happy days, I'll, it's a lot of interesting things that happen in the meantime. But as far as happy days, I was already I was finally working as an actor playing the concerned boyfriend roles. And that's, it was the nodding part. Was like, it was five pages of this. And I'm waiting for my line. You know, I got my one line on the page. 
they go and all this love, 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 going, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. mm, mm. I understand. So I have another page to go before my next line. So I am not exaggerating. That's my life. But as a living, I paid the mortgage. So I get this call. Um, hey, there's this pilot shooting called Happy Days. Yeah, it's a 50s things. We don't know much about it. Uh, and, back, and back then, they didn't send you uh, any kind of copy or anything. You had to go to the audition early, get your pages. Yeah. And so I said, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. You know. So I had this really old funky car, and it was pouring rain the day of the audition. And I'm on my way to go to Paramount Studios, and it breaks down. All the, everything got the flooding and everything. It breaks down. There's no cell phones. So I have to go find a payphone to get the auto club out. I look like a drowned rat. I mean, I'm just like, you're just out of the shower. And I get back there, and it's about a couple of hours before they get there. And the rain had stopped, but, but I was still soaked. They finally get there. They get the car started. And I go, I'm thinking, hmm, I don't think, I, I, I lost, I think, I'm, forget the audition. We're out. I'm hours and hours late, and, and something said, "Nah, go, go, just go." So I did. I got, I got there four hours late, three hours late. I mean, wait, just late. And I get through the gate. My name's still there, and I'm going to see Millie Gussie, who's head of television casting at Paramount. This short lady with a cigarette and a gruff voice like this, tough, <laughs> tough lady. So I, I get in. So I get inside, and I tell this her assistant, "Hey, I'm so sorry. I look like a drowned rat. Uh, my car broke down." Um, and she just, she just goes, she goes, uh, Anson Williams is here and screaming out from one of the back offices. He's lucky we haven't cast a potsy. I go, what's a potsy? <gasps> here, here. So I, I look at the line. I go, oh, I go, oh, okay. Com- I d- I've done comedy. Okay. This is Howie Schertzman. I'm just going to be Howie Schertzman. My friend, it reminds me of Howie. So I'll just, I'll kind of play him. So I go into, so there's Millie Gussie. Yeah, I'm still lucky. Here, read with me. So I read with her. She goes, hmm, stay here. Goes in another room. I don't care if you're in wardrobe. He's perfect. Get your ass down here. He's perfect. And go wait in the, go way outside in the, in the area, reception area. Okay, so I'm sitting there. This wet, tired man comes walking in, Gary Marshall. And he kind of looks at me and goes into the office. A couple of minutes later, come on in. So Gary's sitting there, read with me again. I read again. Gary goes, hmm, do you play baseball? And I did. I was, I was really on one of the all-star teams. I, was re- I go, yeah. He goes, what position? Well, first base. I, well, I play first base, but you, how about outfield? I go, oh, yeah. Okay, so you play baseball. Yeah. Okay, go wait outside. Something, what's going on? So then I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And Ron Howard comes in. So it's like to me. That's, Gary was in wardrobe with him. That's ah. where they were. He, he, Gary, he, he, let's, we, he, Gary wants us to read together. And that's Ron Howard. I'm going, Jesus Christ. You know, he's like, you know, what? What? <laughs> so he's a star. And I'm going, I'm going, ah. So we go through the thing. We go in and we read for Gary. And, and he goes, huh, very good, very good. Go wait outside. Again, so now we're both waiting outside. Long time. All of a sudden these suits come walking through. It's the network. 
and it's the final okay, for, but I didn't know. So we go in, do the scene, they're laughing, do the scene. Uh, thank you very much. And Ron had the job. And, and I'm going, thank you very much. Um, that's it? That Now I'm pissed. I wasted my whole damn day for this. That's, thank you very much. So um, I go home. And back then, you know, the answering machine was like the tape where you, yes. you rewind it. It's not like any. So I have to go to the bathroom so badly, so badly. I get there and the phone's ringing and the phone's ringing. And I finally get out and get. And I go, hi, where were you? Where were you? It's my agent. But like, you got the part. I go, I, says, yes. And it starts tomorrow. He said, you go on for what? What do you think tomorrow? You're shooting the next day. I was the last person they saw for the wow. last person they saw for the part. And they hadn't, the last one. So that was it. So we did the pilot. And uh, everyone thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to sell. Oh, my gosh. But it didn't have a Fonzie in it. didn't have a Ralphie in it. A different Mr. C, a different Joni. Marion was in it. Ron was in it. Am I, huh? am I incorrect? Am I incorrect in thinking that had a different name too? Was it something else yeah. and then it spun off into Happy Days? No, no, what it was, it was it's Happy Days, New Family in Town or something like that. You know, what happened, it was a very soft script that Gary Marshall wrote, like Summer 42. And then they decided to play it off in Love American Style to get some of their money back. But the pilot didn't sell. Didn't sell. So I went back to playing concerned boyfriend parts. And then a year later, American Feedy came out and uh, Grease was a big hit. And the network thought, wow, didn't we have a pilot? Didn't we have a 50s pilot? Well, let's do it again, but let's make it more like American Graffiti. So I, I'm, I'm, up, I'm filming a movie with Kay Lenz called Lisa Bright and Dark um, in Marin County. And I get this call. They're going to do another pilot. I go, great. When do we start? No, no, no. They think you and Ron might be too old, so they're going to screen test you now. Is it, we're, we're auditioning for the same parts? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we go down there, and Ron, so Ron, who had done a lot of screen tests in his life, I hadn't. He says, we're there together for the wardrobe fitting for the screen test. He said, listen, Anson, I tell you, these things go fast. Let's find where the set is, and let's direct ourselves like and have all these bits and let's act like they're spontaneous because Gary Marshall is going to be shooting the test. I, I got this feeling he'll get into it more. Let's just, so we, so we rehearsed ourselves and we got, so we got down there, we were first up and then we're like all there were pot, Richie Potsy's all there, including Don Most running for, uh, just for Potsy, Robbie Benson, all these, we're going, Oh God, quite a lot of competition. So, it's supposed to be 20 minutes. We go in there with Gary, two hours, two hours. Two, oh, that's good. Yeah, do that. Yeah, it all worked, right? We come back out. Everyone's white. Everyone else waiting to, to you know, to like audition yeah. or a I walk out. I go, two hours, buddies. Two hours. I just freaked them out. So anyway, um, we finally, finally, we got the parts again. And this, this, and this time they added a little character called Fonzie. They liked Donnie most so well, they created Ralph for him. They created the character. He auditioned for Potsy, and they created the character of Ralph for him. Um, what was it? The actor who played um, Mr. Cunningham, Harold Gould, Tom wasn't Bosley. available. So, oh. they brought, no, Harold Gould, so they brought in Tom Bosley. I, when I was doing the film Lisa Bright and Dark, 
there was this wonderful young actress playing her 12-year-old sister. And they're having a hard time uh, finding a Joni. I said, hey, I just work with this wonderful young actress. Have you auditioned her? They go, no. Her name was Erin Moran. And they brought in Erin, and she got the part of Joni. And uh, so there you have it. And then thank God for Henry. You know, he blew up. You know, he had seven lines. It was be Fonzie was between um, Mickey Dolans and him. The oh, part was no written. The part was written like a Mickey Dolans, like kind of goofy, you know. And Henry had this whole other take on it. And he went in there with this whole other. I mean, it's totally opposite everything that it, totally opposite the character they wrote. And Tom Miller was just raved about him. Anyway. He, he changed everybody's mind, thank God, and got the part. And then, yeah, there you go. And there's Happy Days. There were two pilots. First one didn't sell, thank God. And the second one, yeah, did. Amazing. So, I got to ask you, so you're still in your early 20s, and you grew up in Burbank. What mm -hmm. was it like in the neighborhood where, hey, you know, local boy makes good on this crazy popular show? Well, it, it, I tell you, it was, that was a crazy time because there were only three networks. And our average audience was, was like 52 million a week, not, not, not including like fourth of the country, not including the syndication every day. So yeah. it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I actually, I got to be um, Grand Marshal for the parade one year in Burbank. Yeah, it was pretty it crazy. Was, but Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall. What? I was just saying it was appointment watching because there were no VCRs back in the day. I mean, it was like either you're in front of that TV when Happy Days is on on Tuesday night or you missed it. it you had to be home when Happy Days was on. Yeah. It, it created a real camaraderie around the TV set. Interesting, just an interesting dynamic. The, the adults related to it and the kids related to it. So it was, it was hip for everybody. And, you know, and, and they actually, people keep asking, why, why, why was it such a hit? Why, why? The writing is great, but there's there's just that it factor that happens once in a lifetime of chemistry, and just something happened with this cast that above the page, and it just echoed to every culture in the world. Um, so something something it wasn't the fifties, and something deeper happened with that show that just connected. Maybe it was family. Maybe there's there's I think there were just great feelings on the show. Friends who gave before they took, they they bet you know real friends, family that cared, um, selflessness, you know, um, priorities of family. I think all of that connected with the world, and we have that in our own lives. In January, sometime, it'll be fifty years since the premiere of Happy Days, and all four of us are as close now as we were then. In fact, we have an open chat, open text line. Oh, uh, I love that. 20 seconds away from, every, literally, 20, 20 seconds away from reaching anybody. And none of it's business. We never do business. It's all, it's all friends. That's special. That's so neat to hear that. Yeah. I mean, that, so, yeah. That, that's yeah, really super it's, cool. It's quite, it's quite a, and, and Gary Marshall was very smart. Um, and I actually, when I, when I started directing and producing and writing, I really took that with me. He created a family. He, he cared about us. He sat us down early on and said, you know, you guys are going to be very famous. And he says, and you're going to get a light on you. 
you basically don't deserve. But take that light and shine it on people that do deserve it. Take that light, and when someone has good things to offer, give them the platform. Give them the light. Make it happen. He also said, I want you guys to have a lasting career. You're probably not all going to be acting all your life, especially you, Anson. And um, <laughs> he said, you should learn as many areas of the entertainment business as you can. So if you want to learn to direct, I'll set you up. With, it's, it, he said, Paramount will be my college. It'll be your university. Shadow directors, come to the writing rooms, go to the editing rooms. Don't get, don't get in the way of yourself. Use this opportunity to educate yourself. And use this opportunity to have more hats for the future and so you have a career. And we did. We are the big, biggest thing in the world, and none of us had egos, nothing. People would ask, oh, God, what's it, what's it like on the Paramount set? Oh, what's it like? Well, Gary put up a hoop, a basket. And, we, and when, we had a talk, when he had things to talk about, we shot hoops. That's at the, at the back of stage 19. We, just, we shot hoops and talked and worked things out. You know, that's what we did. Yeah, it was very tactile. And me, directorially, God, I, I, I shadowed Polanski doing Chinatown on the back lot. I shadowed John Schlesinger oh. doing Day of the Week. I shadowed the, um, God directed, uh, doing Grease, all the dance numbers. I, every, every, I was, I was, my teachers are the best in the world. And they'd get sick of me because I'd be asking questions, you know. But I, what's that lens for? What's, what do you, what is, why is, what do you? And it, it was a PhD in entertainment. Because we used we used Paramount as a college, we used it as our, you know, our workplace to 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 to, to learn so many areas of the business, and and I think that's why everyone's still involved, still productive, because you know we have those tools that Gary Marshall insisted. We, uh, you know, we I learned. love that because that's probably the best advice. If I have any like regrets for me, but also I was a female back then when I was working and I don't know if I would have been as invited to um, shadow people, but that, how did you fit that in with school too? Or were you out of school? You were out of school. Oh, with, there was no school. Yeah, I was, I was done. I was 23 okay. years old, 23 years old when happy to start. Right, right. Of course. Duh. Um, yeah, so that's like, that's the one regret I have is not doing that. So I was going to say to you, if you ever were working and you would allow me to shadow you, I would love to. So I'm throwing that out into the universe. Um, awesome. So that's, and let me ask you one more question about Ron. Like when you were working with him, could you tell that like his interest was going to take him where it's taken him? And like, um, because obviously acting wasn't really his number one, right? Uh, right. Oh, right. He always, when he was 12 years old, he won the National Kodak Award for directing for directing a film edited in the camera. So he was directing at 12 years old. And and yeah, and and he did um, he was doing all these small films during Happy Days. Then he did then he then Grand Theft Auto he starred in, co-wrote the script with his dad. But un under the promise from Roger Corman that if, if it does well, that he gets to direct the sequel, Eat My Dust. So he directed the sequel, Eat My Dust. And he started directing. And then the, the one film that really broke him out, I'm proud to say we did together, I created a film called Skyward with Bette Davis in 1980. And, and um, I exec produced, wrote the story, uh, and Ron exec produced and directed and that's the film that got him got him the the attention and when he did um oh the first the 
the film with um, Henry and uh, and um, God Night Shift. When he did Night Shift, Alan Ladd saw Skyward to approve him to direct it. So that was the film that got him into feature films. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool for you as a director. I don't know if a lot of people are aware, but you've done Melrose Place and 90210. Just so many of them, people I'm not even sure if they're aware of, of your you know directing abilities and how how great your resume is. When you're directing and you're acting, which do you prefer? Oh, directing for sure. That's why I went behind the camera. You know, I've done I've done a little acting here and there um, through the years, but 95% behind the camera. Yeah. Much How more. hard was it? Like, because you did boy, you did Boy Meets World, where you were also acting and directing, correct? Mm -mm. Boy, Boy Meets. That was interesting. I was directing my most place at that time, and they wanted to do cameos with Tom and I. So they, uh, we shot that at six thirty in the morning because I had an eleven o'clock call directing Melrose Place. So they, they so they actually, <laughs> they actually gave me this young guy to drive me there and then drive me to the set where I was directing. And he stuck around for the day. And um, God, what's his name? I'm trying to remember that. Oh, please. Anyway, he ended up being one of the major producers of Unfriends and writers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, so no, that that was just a, you know, I think it was one little scene and we did it 6.30 in the morning without an audience. And uh, yeah, and then I went oh, up okay. to- Oh, okay, I thought you directed it. Yeah. But Have you directed anything fun. you've acted in? Hmm? Have you directed what? anything you've also acted in? Like, have you done the, the yeah, double I hat? You can probably look it online. I'm real proud of it. It's a show. It was a pilot called Harvest Time. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I, and I starred in it, too. Um, way different kind of show. But, um, yeah, I, th I think it's, I don't know if it's on, I don't know if it's on YouTube now or not. It's called Harvest Time. And uh, okay. that was that was quite a challenge. And I directed and acted in it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard when you. Like yeah. 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 You, you know, Anton. Now, just saying, on Happy Days, you you sang a lot, also. You know, and, and yeah. even though you made fun of your, your singing, you know, in I believe I think nineteen seventy seven, you had a very popular song that was on the radio, a top one hundred song. At any oh, point yeah. in your mind, did you think, you know, what I want to pursue this part of my career? Well, I did. I did do that. In fact, you know, before Happiness, I did. I, I ended up doing a lot of musical theater, you know, with limited dancing, and um, they um, <laughs> and I sang clubs. So one day, um, it's also creating your own opportunities. I've always believed in seeing what you have, not what you don't have. Easy to see what you don't have. Um, back then, we weren't paid like actors today. A million dollars an episode, two hundred thousand dollars an episode. No, uh, I was getting, at this point, it started at $900 an episode. I think it was at $1,200 an episode. And that's fine, but you're not getting, I mean, come on. But uh, I, was, I met David Cassidy, where Partridge's family had ended, and he was telling me all the money he made off the show singing. And then while we're doing Happy Days, it was last year, The Brady Bunch, and, and Barry Williams was telling me how much money they were making doing singing tours as The Brady Bunch. I'm going, whoa. Then I kept thinking of Ricky Nelson on TV, and I thought, hmm, if I can convince Gary Marshall to put together a band and I can to sing, I bet you I could get a record contract, and I bet you I could get booked and make some money. So one morning, I found, I found Gary, 
he's, he's walking through the lot and I, I asked if I could speak with him. He goes, you talk to me later, I'm busy. I said, only take a minute, Gary. All right, walk with me, walk with me. So I did an elevator pitch. Gary, you got girls on the show. You got cars on the show. We need a band in Arnold's. You know, I sing. He goes, you sing? Yeah. Are you good? I go, pretty good. Really? He goes, oh, a band. oh, we can open. He goes, oh, that's, he said, I used to be a drummer before I was a comedian, before I was an actor, before I do what I'm doing now. That's it. He goes, you, you're good. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a show coming up. Let's try it out. Let's try it out. Go speak to Bobby post-production. Pick a song. I'm going, I'm singing on national television, man. This is it. So then he stops and, and yells to me, Anson, what? Pitch your bulldog. I go, why? He goes, well, I believe you're good. I don't have time to listen, but, but if you're good, if you're bad, I'm going to get laughs. Elvis, I'm, I'm, I'm at Sullivan, saying, you sing to a bulldog. He, I go, great. So there I am on the first, I sing him all shook up to a bulldog. Well, the best muscle along with me. I'm itching like my, you know. So, um, but anyway, he liked it. He liked it. And he says, oh, I like it. That's good. So I was in charge of my music. And we don't, and about every second or third episode, I do a song. I got signed to Chelsea Records, David Cassidy's label. And I was getting $1,200 a show and 17000 a night doing concerts. So I would do red eyes all over the country, go in red eyes, do concerts, all state fairs, museum parks, wherever, for years. And then I did it for years. And I finally got broke through. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. Approved, approved me to approve for me to replace him for four nights at Harris Reno. Wow. So that, that was wow. my first time in the club. And then from there, he recommended me to. Um, oh. uh, anyway, another headliner. Lola Falana, <laughs> and to co-headline with her at uh, Resorts International in Atlantic City. I did, and, and, and we got good reviews and all that. At that point, I knew it was over. I said, I've, done, I've gone as far as I could go in the musical. I mean, I, I, if I'm lucky, I'd end up in the lounge. You know, to, so I, I, and at that point, I was already behind the camera, too. So I decided right then and there to stop negotiations with Vegas, the Sahara at the time, and back, go fully behind camera. That's what I, the best decision I ever made. And that was it. I just dropped the music and went behind the camera. But it was a great time. It was a great experience. Oh, I love that. So many good stories. God. So. Such a legend. Anyway. Honestly, such a legend. Like, love it. Thank you for sharing all of it with us. Like, I, I just, you bring me back, yeah takes me right back to my childhood. I think all of us like is such happier, easier times and just, I don't know, it's fun to reminisce and, you know, get back feeling yes. that, that feeling that you had in those days when all of this was happening. So thank you so much for gracing us with being here and sharing your stories with us today. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much. It's a lot, a lot of fun and congrats on your success. Congrats. Awesome. Thanks. I mean, you know, just chugging along here. <laughs> I think I'm going to go look for a shoe store employee <laughs> this afternoon. I connections. I don't. <laughs> yeah, if you know anybody? Text me. Yeah. Anson, thank you so much. That you was bet. a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. God bless everybody. You too. So so good to see you. Yeah.
that was uh, that was cool. I got to tell you, one of the funny. I don't want to pull the what's your what's your favorite episode of all time to him because I'm sure you know they're all part of his life. But I was a huge Happy Days fan, Nicole. It was, it was my favorite show growing up as a kid. You know, every picture my mom has from the time I was little to the time I was oh, probably two weeks ago. No, ten years old. But I'm giving the Fonzie thumbs up in every in every uh, picture because everything in my life was Happy Days. Tuesday night. At least if I got to stay up, I had to see that one show before they let me see Laverne and Shirley and Three's Company and Taxi and everything else that was on on Tuesday nights. But my my favorite show on Happy Days was the one where I don't know if you'll remember this, but it, they receive a dress in the mail from a family relative who had passed away, and it was like you know Aunt Aunt Phyllis, and they all of a sudden, if you follow this show as it goes on. That dress turns into the dining room tablecloth. Then it turns in. And the next scene is the curtains. It's the napkins. It's like, how big was she? Like, you never saw her. But as the show continued to go on, you know, for 30 minutes, everything you realize in the house started to be the pattern of that dress that Marion Ross had put up. It was it was so damn funny. Was it part of that, the storyline? or is it Yeah, it was part of that. It's part of. No, 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 no. You just know you had to watch and notice. They didn't bring up the fact like, oh, my gosh, it's a tablecloth now. But. It, it her dress one dress covered everything napkins tablecloths curtains it was and then in your mind you're like god dang how big was aunt phyllis you know it was <laughs> it was one of those that went through but the show was written so well and, and obviously people have had great careers from it and spinoffs i know you were a laverne and shirley fan and and yeah. um it, it was really outstanding and, and the way he was talking about gary marshall boy he he sounded just like gary marshall he had the accent down the whole deal was pretty cool and even the baseball part, A League of Their Own is one of my favorite movies that, uh, you know, came out and, and Gary Marshall's and that. And of course, you know. It, Wait, um, you like baseball? I had one guy write in because even though my hat's black, there's an L.A. on it. I had one guy write in who hates the Dodgers who said, hey, I, I, I watch the show. I love what Nicole's doing. Take off that damn Dodger hat. <laughs> <laughs> one of the people that wrote in, it's cracked me up. So uh, I, I, I wrote back. I said Nicole is approved wearing the baseball cap. So she, that we're all yeah, set. Yeah, listen, a, we, we represent LA. Yeah, there you go. We got the LA. You, you got um, it down. So, so uh, Pinky Tuscadero was like, you know, one of my first like role models. So I'm like, I guess it makes sense that she shot up her neighborhood because she was like this like rebel badass chick. Right. But I yeah. it, like, that was like kind of life changing. That was like somebody who you, you turned your head to as a young girl going, wait, what, um, yeah. who is she, what is she? Um, so that was amazing. And then it's super funny. I have a funny Gary Marshall story because, um, he was holding auditions here in his theater in Burbank. And, um, it was for a TV show he was doing. I don't think it, it ran very long, but it was about um, sort of like a brothel house. Mm -hmm. um, I should look it up what it's called, but, but I didn't think to do that. And so I went and I did the audition with him and everything. And then he asked me to undress. <laughs> I was like, and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, what underwear do you have on? <laughs> like, what underwear are you wearing? <laughs> you know, he that's like, uh, yeah. um, you know, like my mom always made us think about our underwear i don't know what that is about socks and underwear you don't ever want to be caught with dirty socks or underwear so um i was like let me check let me let me go check so i had to go look to see like what was i wearing and um it was awkward it was awkward as all hell but it was gary marshall so it was like yeah i'm gonna do it you know i'm gm gonna do it. i did not get the job 
Um, I wish he had decided that before I undressed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, but you're right. It's Gary Marshall, and you know, it's Gary Marshall, and you know, these are these are things that are required of you as actors that people don't get and they don't understand. You know, have you so ever just, been on? Uh, have you ever been on a set like that that Pinky Tuscadero situation where really her life was set up to be on you know the number one show and they wrote her in to be Fonzie's girlfriend, but yet the entire cast hated her because she was unstable? Have you ever been part of a show where you saw someone get kicked off the set or written out of a show because of their behavior off the set? Um I've, you know what, I, I don't think off the set people care that much, especially anymore. Um, I've been on um, shows where people's behavior on set was um, almost intolerable and um, was strange. And I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to call anybody out. No, no, I don't expect you to. Um, uh, But you sit there and you go, how are, how is this, how are we still shooting? How is this still happening? How is this still okay? But, uh, you know. You know, it, when you're dealing with artists, it's like musicians, artists, actors, whatever it is, you know, you, there there's wild personalities. There's, there's like there's a lot of different characters. There's a lot of different personalities. It, 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 there's just a lot. So, you know, you run into this. You do. And um, I don't know. Somehow I like sit back and watch it like an entertainment you know like i'm not yeah. i'm not overly offended by much so i i sit back and go oh my god did he just really throw that chair across the set you know no and it's funny but you know did he really just push that person you know and, and you oh, just no. sit there and, and you just watch it all unfold knowing that everything's gonna be okay we're not we're not doing you know we're not life-saving here we're just making we're just making movies we're just making you know entertainment what? I never thought of that. I always thought of if I was an actor, what would bother me would be someone that was late. Like, like you know, we're all ready to go I mean, and you can't get here on time. That That's all I always thought normal. you dealt with. I never thought of people pushing each other or throwing stuff where, oh, you know, there Jesus. are other issues. Late. All the time. Forget it. That's easy. Yeah, late. No <laughs> Nothing else. All you're going to do is sit around most of the day anyway. You know, that's set life. So being late, no big deal. But yeah, no, people have crazy tempers <laughs> oh, or yeah. you know oh, or yeah. episodes or like you know or they're using and um i don't know there's a lot of stuff that goes on on set but it's like as long as the project gets made that's the focus yep no i understand i understand all right let's get to uh let's get to your mailbag okay nicole's mailbag again yes. it's easy all you have to do is go to the, uh, the website right there perfectly twisted pod and uh you see the mailbag right at the top and you ask a question and nicole will answer it on there so here we go we have a couple here well the first one's from tom Kara, okay and this one is nicole back in the 90s there's a movie you did shortly after leaving baywatch it was named melissa and was blasted as this edgy stripper movie that really showcased your range as an actor unfortunately shooting was never completed and only uh, a botched version of it was released to DVD much later under the name Secret Sins. Can you finally tell us what the whole truth about that movie? Well, I would like to know the whole truth about that movie, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Here's what I can tell you, what I, what I am privy to and what I do know is um, we shot in New York. Um, I flew out um, in advance and we were going to all the strip clubs, hanging out, getting to know the girls, learning about the culture, um, you know, just learning that lifestyle. And then we started shooting. And um, I don't know, 
there was some kind of production um, halt because there was a fire. Yeah. Um, there was a fire that, like, in the prop house and all the wardrobe and everything like this. So everything halted after just a few days of shooting. And um, I ended up spending like nine months in New York on this project altogether. So, you know, the movie never happened um, and we never finished filming and it was a whole, you know, debacle. But that's when I learned that I could never live in New York, just like visiting. Um, but I got to spend that time there. And, you know, listen, I was in a great spot. I was right across the street from the park on the Upper East Side. All, all like, amazing in this really old, old hotel. So the rooms were really big. So it was like I had this huge apartment um, on the park on the Upper East Side. So I was in heaven. I didn't care. Um, but I did, weirdly, I did try to watch it recently because something popped up and I was like, oh, they made a movie out of it? Because I know I only shot about two days or three days or something like that. And I was like, there's a movie? So I started to watch it. I couldn't get through it. I like, I turned it off. So I don't know. I, I I just couldn't even watch my own project. Um, so I don't know. And um, it's weird. And there was some voice that was supposed to be mine, I think, that was narrating it. Sounds nothing like me. Um, I just couldn't. I couldn't get through it. Maybe I'll give it another shot another time. But so to to answer the question sort of not really in a roundabout way is I think they must have sold it. I think they must yeah. have sold whatever they did shoot and somebody continue to shoot stuff or put stuff together. Um, I've already shot footage. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I couldn't even watch it to even have a better idea how to explain it. But um, that's not the movie I signed up for. It's not the movie that was released. It's It was a mess, a huge mess, but oh a great, God time but a great experience <laughs> you know the, the, does it work at, just curious does it work out in contracts that even if a movie doesn't get completed you still get paid do you at least yeah. get paid for it? good i'm glad oh yeah okay. you're paid yeah good. money goes into like good. an escrow account before you yeah money is there so i mean there are things like i haven't been paid for but that's what that's why we have zag and stuff they go back and um they'll fight for it i've been i, I was not paid on certain projects and then like years later stag comes through with a um cool with a paycheck because that person somehow got money in the account and they were like oh you owe one of our members and they'll take it so um good you know yeah good deal yeah, they look all right here mm -hmm. we go a few more this are this is from shad jones and they're all music related okay number one question do you like hip-hop music i do like hip-hop i do not my number one, but I, I like it. I really like most music. I'm just kind of a music kind of person. I just um I, I like listening to everything. But yeah, hip hop is cool. There you yeah. go. Next next question. Do you like the Spice Girls? And if so, who's your favorite Spice Girl? Um do I like the Spice Girls? Listen, I love the Spice Girls. I love their movement. I love what they stand for. I love how they influence people. I love everything about it. I am not a Spice Girl fan as far as like listening to the music. I don't know the music very well. If I had to pick one, <laughs> I mean, I guess I would have to go with Posh because like, I don't know. Her style is so dope. She's so, she's so cutting edge and cool. And I don't think she's ever smiled. And um, I don't know. I love, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go married to like uh, the hottest guy in the world with like the most beautiful kids and never smiles i'm like okay how do you how, you know how what? Do that's you a good that? point 
I never noticed that she doesn't. You're right. I don't think I've ever she's seen her smile. smile. Yeah. No, she's funny. You're right. She has but... a perfect life. I mean, right? Yeah, impeccable Attractive family, you know. millions of dollars. Yeah, what's what are you upset about? Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Question three. Uh, how edgy do you love uh, your music? Like, how edgy? I'm good. I'm good, good edgy. I'm good with edgy. Yeah. Sometimes my kid has to tell me, like, mom, turn that song off. I always love it with so the I'm kid like, becomes oh, the parent. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah, the kid, mom, mom, turn that song off. It's so inappropriate right now. I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Oh, that but is, it's their that generation is, too. It's their yeah. generations of music. This like Ice Spice girl, is she kidding? Is she kidding what she talks about, what she raps about? I'm like, that, I get a little bit, I get a little bit, okay, so let me take that back. I am very open. I'm very open. The WAP gets me a little uncomfortable, and some yeah. of this Ice Spice stuff gets me a little bit like awkward. Um, I I I have to be alone to listen to that stuff. I'm weird if it's in front of anybody else because it's almost like watching porn. It's like having yeah. porn playing and you're sitting next to somebody, right? Like it's that it's that explicit. So um, I guess that's that's where I draw the line. I don't know. That's funny. That's funny. All right. So uh, <laughs> we'll wrap it up. Anson Williams was great. That was a lot of fun. That was, so that was, cool. that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know what I wanted it. to ask him about? You know what I wanted to ask him about that I didn't? And I don't think people realize is that um, his family, someone in his family is who his original last birth, last name was Heimlich. Yes. They created the Heimlich maneuver. But his I'm uncle has probably been asked that fifty million times, so I didn't want to bug yeah. him with that. I, you know what? But, um, I was thinking the same thing, Nicole. Is it? It's his uncle, his dad's brother. Yeah, but then yeah. his dad changed the name, right? To like he yeah. changed the spelling of the name to like disassociate from it a little bit or yeah. something like that. Yeah, my story to tell. I don't know the facts. It's just what I read, and we know you can't believe everything you read online. Um, but so cool, the Heimlich. That maneuver, is cool. Like, that is cool. Yeah, Super cool. that is funny. That is that is really yeah. cool. I, again, yeah, uh, it, it, that was a lot of fun. Again, we ask you to subscribe, right? We want you to subscribe to the show. Yes. We want you to, to to leave comments, everything that get an idea. You know, Nicole wants to know, what do you think? And so, uh, you know, obviously she cares and, and I care. And um, I, I love doing this every single week with you. It's a lot of fun bringing guests on like Anson. And, and go back and listen to, to some of the previous shows as well if you're new to, uh, to watch them Perfectly Twisted. Yes, please do. Please do. And um, leave us a review and leave us a, uh, a comment and um, give us suggestions, all that good stuff. And thanks for listening. Good, good deal.